Welcome to Exotic Pets. I'm Tracy Hotchner, whom you may know as the dog and cat lady, but I'm wearing a different hat here. With the brilliant assistance of my co-host, Dr. Doug Mater, the world-renowned veterinarian specializing in exotic animals, we're here to celebrate all the other pets that share people's lives. This show is for people interested in pets that slither, hop, creep, fly, or swim. From bunnies to iguanas, parrots to ferrets, snakes to tortoises. Dr. Doug is going to teach us the physical requirements of these exotic pets and how to manage the often challenging environments and correct diets essential to their welfare. Dr. Doug Mater is the author of The Vet at Noah's Ark, Stories of Survival from an Inner City Animal Hospital. He is recognized worldwide as a veterinary specialist on exotics and is the author of four major veterinary textbooks on reptiles and amphibians. I hope you'll have as much fun listening to our conversations as we have had. We are proud to have ZooMed Laboratories as the sponsor of Exotic Pets. ZooMed has earned its reputation as the number one reptile company in the world, from simple beginnings 45 years ago as a passion project for one man, Gary Bagnall, who still runs it. ZooMed provides supplies and information for every imaginable exotic pet, particularly renowned as the world's expert on UVB and heat lighting. ZooMed manufactures all their reptile supplies, accessories, and tools, which they test on their own collection of animals, which surround everyone at headquarters. I am completely thrilled. I'm finally going to learn something about how to feed my dragon. Now, I don't have a bearded dragon, but I know you need to know how to feed your dragon. And the woman who's going to tell us how to do that is Miranda Huntley. She's the food and regulatory specialist at ZooMed, the wonderful sponsor of this show. But apart from supporting what Dr. Doug Mater and I are doing here, which is educating and inspiring all of you exotic owners, it's also the premier maker of these foods. And how do they know how to make them? How do they know what a bearded dragon eats? A young one versus an old one versus, I don't know, a grassland tortoise. Miranda, it is so cool to get to meet you because I don't know if you think your job is cool, but I think it's really <laughs> cool. <laughs> I think my job is so cool. I never in a million years thought that this is where I would end up, but it's kind of my my dream job. Wow. Um, so I I love coming to work every day. What a um, great about feeling. Work- after work. Um, so this is kind of a good outlet for me so that I can stop um, bugging my family and uh, friends about work all the time. I can finally talk to some some other enthusiasts. All of them surround you at the office, but certainly here on the air. Were yeah. you that little girl who poked a stick in the brook running behind her house and looked at all the little aquatic life there? Or when did you become someone oh. fascinated with small creepy crawlies or large ones? Yeah, no, it definitely was in my childhood. Um, I definitely resented this at the time, but my dad wouldn't let us play video games. Um, So we were forced to be outside and entertain ourselves outside. And so that's really where that that happened. We always had to be outside. There was a creek by our house, so we were always going down there. And um, we would actually collect frog eggs and um, take them back home. This is legal if you're under under 16 in California to to take non-endangered frog eggs and then hatch them, watch them metamorphize, and then release them once they're adult frogs again. So that was one of my favorite memories of, of 
childhood that probably got me into reptiles and amphibians. Very understandable. I was that kid too. I grew up in Connecticut. I don't know if we had any laws or rules. I don't think in my era there were any laws and rules about anything. We're not much of anything. I mean, not even the speed limit. So <laughs> we, we played with everything and took things home in jars and, and you know, and tins. And I, I don't think we did too much harm to the environment, but you seem to have had a clearer idea that once they turn into frogs, they should go back to where they came. So, yeah, that was probably my parents. They're also scientists, so oh. they uh, they would uh, be they were always aware of all those things. So as much as we wanted to keep them forever, my my parents had us release them back into the wild and and uh, live their lives. So you come from a family of scientists, and you said they were also scientists. And I would say that you are a food scientist. You you know we make jokes in the in the human food industry of of icky foods being made by food scientists to appeal <laughs> to people and look like real food. But in your case, it's quite the opposite. You're a food scientist figuring out, learning what each of the species of exotics needs to eat to be well and then create it in a form that can be sold to people and they can store it for their animal. Let's Let's just focus on bearded dragons because... They are, according to Dr. Doug, and you would know too, the most uh, popular of all the the species. And I don't know if their food needs are way different than others, but before you tell me how you know what they should eat and how you make what they should eat, do you think that most people that own beardies are very clear that they can't just give them a bunch of lettuce and carrots? You know, I think it's mixed. Um, So we, everybody who works at ZooMed helps take customer service calls. Um, That's kind of um, not my main focus, but I do get a lot of the food calls. And that's a lot of questions that we get is, how do I feed my bearded dragon? Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people don't know that until after they get their animal. Um, Yeah, yeah. So that's something that we try to educate people um, and make our products really easy to understand that this is exactly what it's for. And um, so, for example, for bearded dragons, juvenile and adults have um, very, very different diets. They change what they eat um, over their lifetime. And so we we get a lot of calls where, um, where people don't know that and so they just feed them the same thing throughout their life. Or um, so, so juvenile bearded dragons, they're going to have a high protein, highly insectivorous diet versus adults are going to be mostly herbivores with some insects. And, and we get calls where people have a brand new baby bearded dragon and why won't it eat its, its salad plate? Or <laughs> conversely, my adult bearded dragon, um, why do you have a pellet? I just eat it. I just feed it. Um, crickets. And um, that that's not good for its long-term health to only have a diet of crickets as an adult. That's, you know, that's really interesting because we're talking about something very different than dogs and cats, the, the more unexotic pets, right? Mm-hmm. That in theory could eat the same thing throughout their life uh, as long as it's high quality. Maybe mm-hmm. just the younger versions need more of it. But you're talking about a real switch, and I think what I'm mostly hearing is protein needs. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not super familiar with dogs and cats, but there are actually a lot of uh, reptiles that do something like this where where juveniles have a high protein requirement and a high calcium requirement for growing their, their muscle structures, their bones. Uh, once they're an adult, they slow their metabolism, so they right. they really mellow out, and they're just maintaining their body condition, so they don't need that extra energy, 
to grow and build those bones and muscles. And in fact, um, they, in fact, the bearded dragon knows this. Now you've gone through puberty or adolescence or whatever it's called in a beardy, and you're like, no, I'm not a cricket person anymore. I'm a vegetarian. You know, in the wild, I, I think they do. But in captivity, we get a lot of calls where um, where adult bearded dragons only want to eat their crickets. Um, so I'm not sure what what causes that um, in captivity, why they're only eating those crickets. They really need to have more more fiber in their diet um, when they're adults. So, um, so you know what? Not all of them know what's good for them. Good point. That's a good point. And, and we have manipulated both humans and dogs and cats to have no clue what's good for them. And they eat the wrong <laughs> yeah. things, too much of it at the wrong times. I mean, really, I mean, obesity is is all over the place in those species. I hope there aren't too many obese beardies, but certainly from what you're saying about calcium and fiber, they could be lacking in all kinds of minerals and nutrients if they aren't fed the correct balanced diet. And down the road, they're going to suffer physically. Yeah. Um, And you mentioned obesity and Dr. Mader can probably um, touch on this more if he's doing um, something on bearded dragons, but adults actually do in captivity have a problem with obesity. Um, So that's one of the reasons that we want to educate people on what to feed um, to, to prevent that they'll, they'll gain way too much fat um, and um, it can shorten their lifespan. I mean, obesity is a disease. This is now in the veterinary mm-hmm. world been identified as a disease the way heart disease or lung disease or diabetes is. Obesity is a disease. It's not just, oh, you don't fit in your genes anymore, Mr. Beardy. <laughs> so tell me how you guys know what a Beardy should eat in, in an optimal time in their life. Is this from scientists who've spent their life wandering around in jungles watching or how do you know? Yeah, so with bearded dragons, we're actually really lucky and that they've been um, fairly well studied and there's um, a fair amount of published literature on their diet or unrelated species. So one of the difficult things with working with um, um, unconventional pets is that there's not always a lot of specific research on that specific species. And so that can pose a lot of um, problems for us when we're researching. We're really lucky that bearded dragons have that foundation. Um, So that's where we start. We always start with a literature review. And some of that is wild diet observations. And some of it is um, veterinary publications, case studies, things like that. Sometimes people just post, um, publish, this is how I cared for a healthy bearded dragon that lived, you know, its full lifespan. So those are the kind of things that we look for. And we kind of gather all that to start with. And that's our foundation for when we start a diet. But does Zoomed, given your longevity in the field and your preeminence, are you now a repository of information? Do others come to you for that advice? Not even necessarily just customers, but people in the veterinary field or in the zoo field. I mean, zoo's in your name. Is Have you become one of the experts as a company, as an entity? Oh, gosh, that is a good question. Um, I don't work directly with, with the zoos. That's... Um, that's a different lady here. So I would have to ask her um, if she gets a lot of questions about that. 
Um, we don't have any published literature, but customers, um, they call us a lot I'll because bet. we're so easy to, to access. Um, and of course, we only answer the questions that we can. Sometimes people can use us for, for vets and um, they really do need to have a vet as well. Um, we can answer care advice um, and, and nutrition is a big part of that. A vital part. So, mm-hmm. so you read the literature and you know that until X age – the age that you actually know what it is, a juvenile, when they're no longer juvenile, they need a highly protein insect-based diet. Is that right? The protein should come from insects. You You can't use some other protein for them. You know, um, other people, uh, there are some diets out there that use other types of protein. Um, I've seen chicken protein out on the market. We try to match the diet to the wild diet as much as we possibly can. That's not always possible because you can't always, it's not always commercially available. Right. Um, so thankfully there are a lot of insect proteins available on the market. So that was really important to us to use that as the main protein source. So, um, yeah, in the wild, that would be their main protein source is, um, is insects. So what's interesting is that in the dog and cat space, which I bring up because it's the only space I'm knowledgeable about, and I'm just a sponge for information about (laughs) the exotics, or as you would call them, the unconventionals, (laughs) the idea of insect flour, cricket flour in particular, and then there's um, meal that comes from black flies, larvae, and stuff like that. That is all, wow, brand new in the dog field. They're not really trying to push it yet for cats, and I don't mean push it in a bad way. But they're trying to change people's hearts and minds about dogs and insect powders and, and, and ingredients. But you've needed them for a lot longer. So were you in touch with cricket developers, cricket growers, cricket grinders for so a long we, time? We actually use uh, black soldier fly meal, which, like you said, is being um, utilized in dog and cat world. That's mostly for sustainability um, reasons. They're really sustainable. Um, You can't feed them. um, There's very specific things that you can feed them. Um, You can't just feed them total waste. It has to be very clean food waste. But um, they're very good at composting food waste. And um, then you can raise them in captivity. So that's being pushed in in that dog and cat world. But you're right, for for reptiles, it's made sense for a long time for for us to have this. Um, So our first food that had this was our crusted gecko food that was released probably four or five years ago. Um, And then we've had some other ones that have it. And then this is the one that has the highest percentage of it. And this is and these foods that these beardy foods are a new formulation, right? Fairly new for Zoomed. Yeah. So what I'm talking about um, is our dragon food. So uh, this is brand new. It's probably going to be released next week to distributors and be out on the market in a month or two for for customers to buy it. Um, this is a I say new formulation because it's new to the market, but we've been working on this for for three years. So for us, it's. It's not brand new, um, but for customers and the public, it is. And that's how long it can take you to get it right, two to three years? Yeah. Um, wow. So so for this one, we really um, 
we really wanted to make sure it's palatable. So that can be a problem with a pelleted diet for for animals is making right. sure it's palatable. And beardies can be uh, they can be picky. Some animals aren't, um, but they they definitely can. So we wanted to make sure that it was not only you know the right nutrients for them, but are they going to eat it? Um, so that was really important. So um, that that took some time doing a lot of uh, preference tests to see what kind of ingredients they like, what uh, pellet texture they liked, wow. combinations of ingredients, um, and then how did they how did they do on the diet long term? So you have in-house beardies who get to be your testers, and you put their little bib on, and they sit down at their <laughs> little table, and they go, nah. Didn't hit the you didn't hit it this time, Miranda. Go back to the laboratory. <laughs> I mean, do you you obviously you from what I understand, the zoo med offices and the company are just surrounded by terrariums. Everybody has something near their desk. You probably are growing frogs still. But <laughs> do some of them are they identified as, oh, this is the guy with the best palate. He's the guy we're always gonna <laughs> test on. How do you know who's who's a reliable picky eater? Um, so yeah, you're right. We do have a private collection here. And the purpose of that is um, one for customer service so that everybody has hands on experience and actually knows how to care for these animals That's that cool. people are calling in for. So that was the coolest thing when I started um, is realizing that everybody who works here knows what they're doing. And I thought that was just so cool when I started working here. Um, and then the other reason is packaging. We'll take pictures of them. So our, our beardies are right. featured on this packaging and then testing our diets in other, other, um, other products. So yeah, we had a big group of beardies that, um, were very happy volunteers for this because, <laughs> Um, a lot of the testing to make it palatable was seeing what fruit I wanted to include in it. So uh, we had a couple weeks there where I was testing fruits, um, and they were very, very happy with me. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. So that was a happy addition. Now, what about for the adult food? How, did you have to do as much manipulation to, to find out what balance of what ingredients would be most delightful to them? Yeah, so we actually use the same ingredients in both diets, but determining what proportion, um, the same kind of tests. Um, so proportions were determined by uh, one, you know, they have super different diets, adult versus juvenile. So making sure the final nutrient profile is appropriate, but um, then making sure it's in a combination that they like. Um, so we were really surprised that um, while bearded dragons can be picky, they all agreed on a few <laughs> a few key things. Um, so like mango, for instance. Um, big big thumbs up if they had thumbs. They yeah, exactly. They all picked that over every other every other um, fruit, no matter how many times I tried to provide something else, they, that was always their their first one to oh go to God. and the one they ate the most of. That's so funny. Like, please, couldn't you try a banana? Come on. Come on. Try a banana. They're much more readily available, less expensive, much less trouble to get the skin off and the pit out. That is so darling that everyone got to vote on it. Have you done videos, even for yourselves, of watching them try the different foods and little expressions on their faces, or is that just taking it too far? No, um, I did. So... Um... Sometimes they, uh, some of them don't like me watching them eat. Some of them don't <laughs> care. Um, so the ones that wouldn't like, one of the things that I tested for the palatability was uh, which one did they go to first? And then what did they eat more of? So I had to, for the ones that wouldn't let me watch them set up a camera 
to see which one they went to first. That is great. I would love to see any of that footage. It just, it's such a cool job. Your parents, the scientists, must think you're really carrying on the family tradition brilliantly. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's science right there. That's, yeah. how, that's how research is done. That's how knowledge is acquired and then passed on. I think it's terrific. Miranda, I can't wait to have you back another time. There are so many cool foods that ZooMed makes. The beardies definitely come first because they're the most popular, but you have so many different tortoise foods and turtle foods, and I want to know what a repti stick is, but all that for another day. Those of you with beardies out there, now you are on orders that you have to feed correct food. One place makes the most correct food. You know who that is, but if you have any questions, isn't it great to know that real life people who love these animals the way you do are there at ZooMed answering the phones? And who knows, one day you might be lucky and get Miranda. Thank <laughs> you so much for being here. Thank you to everyone at ZooMed for all the, the work and love you put into taking care of these extraordinary creatures. Thank you so much, Miranda. Thank you so much for having me on. This was uh, definitely a pleasure. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Exotic Pets, brought to you by the fine family of animal lovers at ZooMed Laboratories, where they make everything you could need to give your exotic its best possible life. Are you an experienced reptile snake breeder or gecko breeder, or are you looking to pick up your first pet bearded dragon? ZooMed is sure to have what you need so you can confidently care for your exotics. If you have a question for Dr. Doug to answer on the show, feel free to reach out to me on our contact page at tracyhotchnerpets.com, spelled T-R-A-C-I-E-H-O-T-C-H-N-E-R-pets.com. Thanks for listening.